0: Folks, and welcome to another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. I am so excited today. I've I have been basically on a reunion tour with guests of the podcast. I have been bringing back people that I have spoken to in a former life with another podcast to bring them on the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. And I got in touch with a good friend of mine, Will Schneer, who is the chief marketing officer for WGI, formerly the CEO of Big Red Dog that quirky-sounding engineering firm down in Austin, Texas, that was you know, really taking the design industry by storm for several years, and, and now they have recently been acquired by WGI. But Will was kind enough to come on the Encourage Bill Go podcast today to spend some time with us, just waxing philosophical about all the great things that are happening in the design industry, and to also share with us some of his experiences. So Will, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Randy. Good, good, good. Well, no, it's awesome to have you on. And we had a chance to to dialogue and and talk a little bit before we started this podcast. And, you know, I really wanted to just kind of just kind of check in with you. It's been a couple of years since we actually spoke on a podcast and we actually did several podcasts together, several of which that I would say were a highly rated podcast on a, on a former show that I used to do. And people would always ask me about those. And I know you were a big listener of the podcast as well. I think there needs to be more dialogue in the design industry with engineers and architects, landscape architects, environmental folks, construction management. We just need to talk more about what's happening in our industry. I think too often we just have our heads down and we're busy and uh, there's not enough dialogue going on. So that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. The Encourage, Build, Grow Show, our focus here is really focusing on leadership development, improving our ability to communicate effectively, which ultimately makes us better people. And um, if we can do that, especially in the design industry space, I think it it goes a long way in helping us to continue to build and grow this industry, which I say is probably one of the most significant and most important industries in the United States, let alone the world. So I'm excited to uh, to have you here today. Thank you. Let's yeah. let's
1: get started. Let's do yes, it. Absolutely. So so
0: let's let's talk. The the elephant in the room is that you you went out and you know not necessarily like Mark Zuckerberg in a college dorm, but you you, you come out and start Big Red Dog. You you, you spent a little time at, at a legacy design firm, and then said, you know what? I think I could do it better and do it differently. And um, you created something that really caught the buzz of the industry and caught the eye of the industry. Some people maybe have thought maybe the big red dog might have been a a flash in the pan, but you weren't. I mean, you actually started taking people's lunch from them and um, putting people on notice in the design space that, you know, this legacy style of doing business for design professionals, specifically for civil engineering firms was getting a little long in the tooth and that maybe it was time for a change. And I, I would just, I would like your take on that whole experience now that you have been able to transition over to working with
1: WGI. Oh, that's, I that's, a, lot. A, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a doozy for question number one. You know, I, when we started Big Red Dog, it was 2009, May 1st of 2009. It was the bottom of the recession. Yeah. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, the success and and wins that Big Red Dog had along the way were were due in large part to efforts other than my own. Perhaps my biggest contribution was being the guy crazy enough to name the firm Big Red Dog and and hang a shingle and then let it grow from there uh, through the efforts of others. But we we absolutely had a wonderful team. You know, we grew to over, over $18 million in top line revenue and over 115 people in, in less than nine years. We mushroomed in from three guys in a shared office in Austin, Texas, to five offices and, and four service lines at the time we joined WGI. And so we joined WGI January 1st of this year, 2019. And we just, so we just really hit the halfway mark on year one. With WGI, and it's been a wonderful first six months. You know, the I had been through acquisitions prior to Big Red Dog. I was a Carter and Burgess veteran and was uh, was uh, part of that Carter and Burgess team during the Jacobs acquisition that happened. I think that was either oh six oh seven timeframe, certainly pre recession. And then uh, we really started Big Red Dog as you know because of the great recession of 2008-2009 it was a great time to hit reset you know we found ourselves with a lot of time on our hands and we used that time uh, fortuitously and, and and leveraged it into being able to build something different and, you know i'm i'm certainly proud of what our team accomplished in nine short years and you know with that pride in mind i'm i'm equally excited to see what we're going to do in the years to come yeah um, partnered with WGI. Yeah. And you know, I,
0: we uh, we had talked about the other issue that certainly comes up when you look at an acquisition or a merger for that matter and I think part of that is just the the very nature of maintaining and or preserving a culture when you move into a bigger organization. Did you have any fear or trepidation around that when you guys were having conversations about this?
1: I did. And honestly from a more of a personal perspective, I was you know, much more interested in what happened to the culture of Big Red Dog and what we had built than my my personal role or what what job I would fulfill with an acquiring firm. The we we were approached consistently, especially over the last three or four years. And WGI was a firm that we had met and and had become friends with for two or three years prior to actually starting our, our negotiations in earnest. We were not a firm that was for sale, but they had enough great qualities. They had a very strong leadership team, a very strong resume, and they were the fastest growing firm in Florida. Still are the fastest growing firm headquartered in Florida. We were the fastest growing firm in Texas, and those you know are two of the hottest markets, if not the two hottest markets in the country. So that made it very attractive, but ultimately, you know, if you're going to sell your firm, you want to sell your firm to a group of people that you trust and that you believe you can you can partner with and and build something better as a result of of selling. And we think we found that in WGI, and and the first six months have have done nothing but proven that out. No acquisition is seamless. No acquisition is without its issues and its challenges. But the challenges we're dealing with are actually opportunity-based challenges, not necessarily personality or culture-based challenges right now. And and I think that's really a testament to uh, the quality of the two firms that got married. Yeah.
0: And I think just listening to what you're saying, and and, and it's important that to note that the cultural piece kind of worked out for you guys, which doesn't always happen. I think the big question now is how do you slay bigger giants now that you guys have merged with WGI and what does that look like? And since you're on the, the marketing side of things, what are, what are some of your aspirations and or goals that you'd like to accomplish? And are you trying to replicate some things that you had success with at, at Big Red Dog within the confines of WGI?
1: Yes, we are. But we're certainly not trying to recreate Big Red Dog's brand positioning or voice. At the same time, we're not necessarily trying to preserve without changing the WGI brand positioning or brand voice. Truth be told, the impact of WGI absorbing big red dog is, is having changes in the WGI ecosystem that are positive. The firm's you know younger from an age perspective now, the firm's more diverse from a geographic perspective. And more diverse from a client-based perspective, you know, and and we certainly at at Big Red Dog brought the Texas geographies, a primarily private client-driven market. WGI brought, of course, the Florida and Midwest geographies and the public-driven market. And so there wasn't a, a whole lot of overlap in terms of geographies or redundancy on the leadership team. Our leadership team all had roles to fill within the new company and WGI did a great job of integrating our leadership team into their leadership team Matt Stewart was our chief operating officer pre-acquisition and now he's responsible for the Texas market for WGI Matt and I go to West Palm Beach our headquarters frequently the a dozen leadership team members frequently visit the Texas markets from Florida mm-hmm. and and that's not just once a quarter you know I bet every other week some corporate officer of the company is in one of the Texas offices, showing their face, hearing from the team, understanding how things are going, asking questions, and, and ultimately uh, ensuring that that the integration is going smoothly. But it, uh, you know you asked about overarching goals and what we 're doing on the marketing and branding side you know i 've always been the mindset since we started Big Red Dog, you know, really a, a product of the way we started with with no money and no clients. Um, we had to figure out how to make a big marketing impact without a whole lot of resources, financial or people-related resources. And we were very successful at that. Although we are in an industry where it does not take a whole lot of heavy lifting to move the needle from a marketing perspective, you know, if you even look at the top two or three largest companies in our space, you know, the 50,000 person plus firms, you know, their content, their branding, their marketing is strong, but it's not strong compared to, you know, a, a tech-based scene or a Silicon Valley-based scene. And so, Why, even, why do you think that is? I'm, I'm just curious. I, I think it's the nature of our business. I think it's a, you know, stagnant nature of our business. You know, the worst phrase and why I fell in love with WGI's CEO and the way his thought process was, David Wantman, in our very first serious meeting about joining forces, he started off saying something, you will never hear me say we're doing it like this because this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> you know, when we join forces, we're going to figure out how to do it better on both sides. And, and you know that was the key to my heart and the key to our leadership team's buy-in, a lot of that. And that's remained a true statement. You know, it's, it's an industry, you know, you've all heard the old adages, uh, outgoing engineer is one who looks at your belt buckle instead of your shoes when he talks to you. <laughs> and, and, and those are the ones who, who are outgoing. So, you know, it's you know, another industry that I think is mired in that today is, is the legal industry. Yeah. There's very little innovation in the branding and marketing. They all look the same. They all talk the same and act the same. Throw away the ones who are on late night TV looking for ambulance cases, right, uh, and, right, and meso cases, and whatever else they're looking for. But you know the the standard law firm, it very much is like our engineering industry. Architects do it marginally better, but the trap a lot of a lot of design firms fall into is talking about themselves yeah. a, if they're marketing. So their first step is do some marketing. So what do they do? They make a website and get some social media accounts. How many? AEC firm websites, if you gone on onto their social media accounts, they haven't been touched in years. I mean all the time. Daily Crickets. seeing these, yeah, yeah. 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 So their next thing is oh build a website and, and talk about ourselves, how great we are. No client wants to hear about how great they are. They want to hear about how you're gonna solve the client's problem. Right. Or make the client more successful. So so much of it is is brand positioning. And voice, but then the way you build your marketing machine should really make it easy for a client or a prospect, prospective team member to contact the firm, immediately get in touch with somebody and start having a dialogue. And we use the term, uh, the WGI on-ramp. So, so our big overarching goal uh, with the WGI on-ramp and our, and our branding and marketing program is that when somebody a new team member, new prospect, whether it's a team member or a client, contacts WGI for the first time. They already know who we are because of the content we put out there, which includes our, new, our own WGI, WGI Unleashed podcast, which publishes a new episode every three weeks, whether it's through our thought leadership in the design community, our online content, the robustness of our online platforms. We're actually getting ready to launch a brand new website here in early August, which will be the first new website for WGI post acquisition. And uh, our creative team, WGI's creative team, has been hard, work, hard at work on that and a lot of good input. I think you'll see a lot of wrinkles that Big Red Dog used, but, but taken to a new level. You know, our big goal with the on ramp back to that is that people know they've had the sales pitch before they contact us for the first time. So by the time we're either having a, a digital dialogue or a verbal dialogue or an in-person meeting, we're immediately talking about the project and what the client's trying to achieve, not explaining who we are, what we've done, the types of people we've worked for. They already know all that information. They know who we are. We are, are, The new website and the digital platforms are overloaded with engagement opportunities For any visitor on our platforms to immediately commence a dialogue with one of forty different leaders within the firm. And I'm really excited about that. I mean, we've we've even built in geolocating. So you're only, you know, when you'll be on our website, you'll only be seeing leaders shown to you to contact who are within your geographic area. We've put in retargeting in it. So if you've been on our website, we'll be able to retarget you with relevant content on other platforms, not any content we produce but if you're looking at the design build page for example or the geospatial services page and you're looking at a lot of that content we'll be able to follow you around and feed you up other things that you will find relevant that pertain to those subjects that you expressed an interest in not necessarily you know environmental services or landscape architecture if you didn't look at those pages so this is going to be a very robust website that we're launching here in in a couple of weeks and and that that is really setting the groundwork for the WGI on ramp that I mentioned. You know, we're just going to keep layering in and layering in some of the best practices that are used in B2B exchanges, B2B business, from people who do it better than us. And, I, you know, Randy, you, you and I both, you know, if we're not digital natives, we're certainly early adopters. Yes, um, absolutely. We may not have grown up with the internet, but you know we we all are always doing our research online you know we whether we're buying a house or a car or a small ticket item like you know some golf clubs or you know maybe a new dress shirt you know we're we're looking online for that stuff we're not necessarily walking into a physical office or physical store looking first and our clients are doing the same thing and prospective team members are doing the same thing they're doing online research and they're on they're on our website and our competitors website and it's It's all a matter of capturing their attention and and giving them something of value so that they keep coming back. You know, we've talked about this before on previous podcasts about, you know, how to sell is, you know, give them something of value with a means to ask for more. Right. And that's really what what we will be doing with the on ramp. and, And I'm incredibly excited about it. I think within a short period, probably measured in a year or less. So if we had a podcast in next July or August, I think you will see WGI really pushing the envelope with our marketing and branding efforts and, and dragging some of the, the legacy firms along and showing them where they need to improve because we'll be doing it live and, and uh, in real time. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. Yeah, you should be. I actually
0: have a couple of questions for you and I, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll start from where you just left off and go backwards. But the first question is, specifically with the podcast, You see, obviously see the value of it. I know you had a podcast with Big Red Dog and you've kind of morphed that into, and I've actually had Sean on this particular podcast talking about doing the podcast and the impact that that's had on him and the impact that it's had internally at WGI. I'm trying to get more design firms to drink the Kool-Aid when it comes to podcasting. In a nutshell, tell us, tell everyone why podcasting
1: makes sense to do, even if you just do it once or twice a month. Why? It's another content stream that is only gaining in popularity. You know, it's not the sewer that is Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the, you know, storyboards that is Instagram. You know, it is it is the podcast universe allows you to target a very niche audience. And in our case, our podcast is exclusively geared towards Showcasing the people and culture of WGI with the sole purpose of attracting more like-minded people or people who want to be part of that culture into the firm. We don't have a podcast right now that targets prospective clients or clients of the firm. That may happen as we get the bandwidth and and resources freed up to do it. But, you know, there the fact of the matter is in our industry, the biggest problem all of us have today is attracting talent. Mm-hmm. And the talent that is available is millennial talent and that millennial talent's listening to podcasts and culture is important to them. The way that company positions their associates or their people is important to them. One of the big things we're putting in place at WGI now is we're leading with our people and our people talking about our clients' issues and how they solve those client issues and, and making our people accessible. Um we're not leading with the pretty renderings or the pretty pictures. It is it is very much a people business. And in a talent-starved market, it becomes even more critical that you focus on the people. So our podcast is really... It's niche for our industry, but I don't know of any other firm in our industry that has a podcast geared towards a recruiting angle. And, and our people love talking about their job and they love talking about what they do for our clients and... and showcasing them on that podcast is a great vehicle for them to tell their story and to share the culture of WGI with the outside world. And in theory, attract more good things to that culture. Listen, I I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. I'm in the car all the time. I listen to podcasts all the time. (laughs) I know. I remember that call one time I got from you. You told me you were
0: driving from Houston to Austin and you had, I guess you had binged, listened to a bunch of my old podcast episodes and I was like, wow, I, I, but you know, I've heard that from several other people. I heard somebody that was driving like halfway across country and they listened to like 19 of my episodes in a row. I said, I don't even listen to myself that much, but, but it, you know, the beauty of podcasting and, I, and I'll, I'll switch gears in a second, but I, cause I think it's important for people to understand it. It's not dependent on time. It is, it can be consumed in so many different ways. And even like this, like we were recording a video of this, but I'm going to create this into a podcast. And the beauty of it is that there is really valuable information and it leads to what Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, which is kind of like the be everywhere mentality where you're able to make this information available to the widest audience possible. I've listened to several WGI podcasts. And I've, I'm, I've like, it's almost like I know some of the people that work. I mean, I already do, but I know some of the people that work at WGI that I've never met because of the podcast. I know what they do. I know why they like working at the firm and what makes the firm special. And you can communicate all that without trying to sell somebody on a job description or a potential salary or anything like that. You can just be real with people and say, Hey, this is what makes my job great. And this is why I like coming to work every day. And somebody else listening to that can say, wow, I want to experience what he's experienced. I want to experience what she's experienced. That's right. That's right.
1: And that's where the dots get connected. That's right. And, you know, I'm not trying to hide any secrets here. It's all about effort. Podcasting has an incredibly low financial barrier to entry. Uh, You can start a podcast for less than a couple hundred bucks if that. But if you got you got to consider the Man or woman coming out of a university today, if you don't have these marketing resources at your disposal for them to access from their dorm room, from their campus, while they're considering where to interview and what part of the country to live in, someone else does, and they're going to get their eyes on those, and they're going to be more likely to go interview and consider that place than the place who does a poor job of promoting their culture and their people. And making, like Gary Vee said, making, you know, that's the exact same concept of the WGI on-ramp, you know, make the content available in multiple channels, easily consumed with a means to ask for help or more or add an inquiry to it. It's all, you know, this big design community heuristic that, that all of us are trying to address, but... Gary V is, is a good example of, of someone who is pushing the envelope that if, if an AEC firm did a quarter of what Gary suggested, they'd blow the field out of the water. Uh, yeah, it would kill it. They would kill and, it. Or yeah, you know, if any law firm did too. I mean, yeah. back to those law firms. It applies in any industry. It's, it
0: applies in any vertical within any industry, I think. And I think that is the, the big thing. When I heard you say retargeting and remarketing, which you know, I got kind of goosebumps because that's something that I'm actually working on myself internally. But that is certainly something that design firms don't even discuss or talk about. And it's just the idea of people coming to your site, looking at certain things, and then they go off to Facebook. And then lo and behold, on the right hand side, something shows up that reinforces or reaffirms what they were looking at previously. And that's how you create that top of mind consciousness that, is so powerful with retargeting and remarketing. And that's a concept that, again, in other verticals, especially in the tech space, especially with digital marketing and the like, that in digital products, that's, I mean, it's it's being done everywhere and it's happening to you and you don't really notice it, but it's like, how do you make that work on the design firm side? How do you create those ideas? And I think one of the important things to remember, and somebody told me, He said, listen, we can create the best remarketing or retargeting program in the world, but the content still has to be relevant. That's
1: it. If you don't create good content, it's not going to matter. And we, you know, we, every day our creative team here at WGI is saying, great, they clicked on the ad. Just because they clicked on it doesn't mean it was successful. They need to click on it, and then they need to go do one or two or three other things or more on the website to make sure we have captured a captive person. If they click on the ad and then they get up, served up something that's irrelevant or not of value, they're going to bounce right off your website, and you've just blew the cost per click dollars on that. So, yet that's you know, I said cost per click. Retargeting is another thing that is a very low barrier to entry. I mean, it can be as little as ten bucks a day. You know, it can be as yeah. much as ten thousand dollars a day. You don't need to spend that in our industry to make a big impact. These are all concepts that. We're not inventing. We're just borrowing from other industries that do it very well. You know, Nordstrom's, Macy's, Cabela's, you know, go all the way down the list. They're all doing this retargeting. If you shop for something at Nordstrom's, that thing you looked at, maybe it's a shirt or a pair of pants, it's going to be following you around for a few weeks, you know, as a digital banner ad. Uh, And at the end, they may get desperate and lower the price and say, click here for, for a discount on the item that you still haven't bought yet, Randy. Uh, but it happens to me and you watch it and you're like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Invariably you you click. It takes a leadership team that is very comfortable with those two new technologies in order to put that in place in our industry. You know, if you're a, this is the way we've always done it mindset, it's not going to happen, but we've been very fortunate. The leadership team at WGI, which I'm proud to be a part of now, very much takes the mindset of technology first early adopter we're going to figure out how to do our job better and more efficiently using technology and and our marketing and branding efforts are really an extension of that mindset not just on the you know operational front lines where we produce the revenue but also on the back end you know i mentioned marketing but it applies to our hr and administration also
0: yeah no i Man, you you are you are obviously preaching to the choir. And I, at some point, I'm going to create, uh, maybe do a, another episode to just talk about. I've done it in the past, but I want to reiterate the ease and bear the low barrier to entry to getting a podcast off the ground. And again, you know, my wish would be that every design firm would start a podcast and create that open dialogue that everybody could take it part of. So, tell me this other question that I have for you: What do you think about you know? Because you you mentioned that there's a challenge in the marketing space that we're we're not focusing on really telling the story of our companies and really getting into the granular aspects of of marketing. You know, SMPS is a big organization in our industry, yet and still firms are still hyper focused on, you know, let me tell you about us. Let me tell you about all our service lines and all the things that we do. What do you think is the logical disconnect there between that? Because again, SPS, they're everywhere. And it's not a knock on them. There's so many people that are part of SMPS, yet and still in this industry, there is that disconnect there with that message that gets out.
1: You know, and SMPS is a great organization and, and certainly has its role. I'm, you know, I'm not an SMPS member, but I'm going to their pinnacle conference here at the end of the year in Denver. Their national secretary is a member of our leadership team at WGI. So we're we're well well invested in SMPS and it, mm-hmm. it definitely has its purpose. Take SMPS out of the discussion. So many firms consider responding to uh, RFPs, you know, their RFQ responses as marketing. Yeah. So many firms consider proposal writing in any form as marketing. And it it's true that it's a opportunity to present the firm to the person you're trying to win the work from. It's you know one of the last times to present the firm before a decision is made. There may be a short list in an interview, but it is the last major hurdle. However, I would argue that by the time you're doing that, you've reached the point of sale. You're well into the sales funnel at that point. The time to do your marketing is well before the RFP even hits your street, hits the street. You need to be out there building a brand and building brand awareness and creating content. You know, I tell our people we need to be thinking like a media company, a new media company. We need to be producing new digital content every single day and putting it out there in some format in the world. But the time I separate the process of brand awareness and marketing from the sales effort, by the time you're doing the RFQ or writing the proposal, you are clearly into the sales funnel and not the prospecting and brand awareness and brand marketing funnel. And flip it over to the HR side. By the time an applicant is on the careers page, filling out an application, you're in that quote unquote sales funnel for the HR side. That means, you know, your marketing did a good job, you know, promoting your culture, promoting your people, promoting your job opportunities and why this firm's job opportunities are different that has been successful because somebody's started filling out an application. You know, on the private side, you get asked for a proposal because those preceding efforts were successful on the public side. an RFQ is out, you know, anyone can reply to it. It's a public RFQ, but if you weren't, didn't develop a relationship with the client, that client didn't go through your marketing and branding funnel before that RFQ came out, you're really behind the eight ball and, and, competing against firms who did go through that process who have met with the client the public client do know what the public client's trying to achieve and has for months been brainstorming how to put together the best sales process and you know that to me is the real difference you know between the marketing and branding and brand promotion and the sales process to answer your question i think you know smps does a tremendous job with you know the second half of that—the RFQ responses and the sales process—and they're they're really starting to do much better on the branding and marketing on the front end part of it. Even them their own platforms, their own new website is great, and the way they're positioning themselves has changed. And I think that's really a tribute to the young generation of leaders coming up in SMPS who know these things that we've been talking about for the last forty minutes that are aware of them and keenly aware of them that we can't keep doing things the way they've always been done. Pre-internet, you responded to the RFQ. That was your sales process. You know, it was all relationships other than that. I don't know how my dad did his job. I don't know if he was waiting for the U.S. mail to arrive every day and sending handwritten letters back or what. But direct direct mail, direct if mail did, with a one percent or goes down 2% here. I mean, the office rate. may as well shut down. Yeah, yeah no. Do their job. You're not lying. You're not
0: lying. Well, I, I can remember. I mean, you know, I tell stories about back in the '90s when I first got into this industry. I was recruiting design professionals, and we literally sent out thousands of pieces of mail every week with a response rate of one to one and a half percent to two we if we got two we were excited but it was just constant constant you know that was our version of be everywhere because we couldn't be everywhere back in 97 but we could send out a lot of letters and eventually those those letters got opened and people responded even if it was just a
1: handful so I remember I used to stuff envelopes. My neighbor was an entrepreneur growing up. He sold medical devices, but I was his envelope stuffer because he did the exact same thing. He gave me two cents for every letter I would stuff. So I had to stuff 50 letters to make a dollar. I mean, I would sit there at the kitchen table stuffing thousands of letters for him a day Mm. uh, and then stamping them and putting the address on them and taking them to the post office on my bicycle. I mean, it's just done so differently these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think we take, you know, those of us
0: that remember that can appreciate it. So, man, I, I could, we could certainly go on and on about this. And the, you've left a lot, you've thrown a lot of meat over the bow, if you will, for people to digest and chew on. If I'm a 50 a year old design firm owner and, you know, I have kind of been loath to embrace a lot of what we've been talking about today, what would be one or two pieces of advice that you would give them? about kind of embracing the way direction in which the market is headed is already there really because honestly in the next two to three, two to five years, it's going to be drastically different than what we're experiencing now. I think voice is going to be huge. It already is, but it's going to get bigger. People are going to be searching for things and they're going to ask Alexa and Google about firms that they could contact for X, Y, or Z. And if you're you don't have a prominent voice platform in place, you're going to miss out. I mean, so I'd just be curious not to scare anyone, but anybody that's kind of reluctant or on the fence about kind of embracing this and still holding on to the, that's not how we've always done things mantra. What would you say to them? What would you, what two, one or two pieces of advice would you give them?
1: Oh, that's as loaded as the first question (laughs) we started out with. (laughs) Start, do something, start, make it a priority there's not a huge financial barrier to entry to do any of the things we talked about today, whether it's website-based or social media-based or podcast-based or content creation-based. Even if you want to do it a, a hybrid and, and come up with the content and the case studies and, and the important information, you know we've got a wonderful parking cost study on our website right now. It tells you the cost of a ground-based, underground, above-ground, multi-level, above-ground parking space in various cities across the country that clients can use to you know, preliminarily understand what their budget's going to be before they even contact us. That's what I'm talking about, about something of value. But even if you wanted to produce that content and mail it out to your client base, that's a great start. If you're not fully on board with the digital, have a lunch and learn at your office and bring your clients in and give them that content. Again, it's, it's the adding of value with a means to ask, giving something of value for free with the means to ask for more. That's all we're really talking about here. And if you're committed to it and you want to do it in your firm and you're not the guy to to spearhead it, what you need to do is find a young professional in your firm that you trust who is comfortable with it and you need to support them and you need to give them the resources and the leash and the, the spine. And by spine, I mean the support to justify that expense and that effort within the organization because you can generate very meaningful and impactful data from these efforts, but you can't do it overnight. You need, you know, a month of legitimate data to know if your targeting is working. You need several months to really refine the data. You know, any small data set can be misleading, but as you get a larger set of data, big data, you know, is a buzzword. Yeah. As you get a larger set of data, the data becomes more accurate. And if you think about it, that's what Facebook and Google and Amazon of the world are doing. Their data set is so massive that they can target us specifically. Amazon knows that if you buy some golf balls on their website that maybe they can sell you some golf tees. And because you like golf, maybe you're a member at a country club and may want some tennis balls and tennis rackets and things like, I mean, they can build profiles and things like that. So, I mean, this is, we're only scratching the surface of what you can do in this podcast, but the key is to get started. And then if it's not you, identify and empower someone in your organization to lead this because It'll be, you know, three years after you start, if you keep at it, it will be the best investment you made from a marketing brand awareness perspective. Man. People have spent very little on it, frankly. Yeah. yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. I mean, you you nailed it and that's that's perfect. I mean, get started, just do it and identify someone, if it's not you, in your firm that can shepherd and spearhead this work that needs to be done and, and give them the license and the space to get it done. Yep. It's not going to happen in three months. It's not going to happen in six months. Make, if nothing else, at a minimum, at least a 12-month commitment to try to get things going. But it may take a little longer than that. But the thing about this, which people don't realize, and I'll end with this, is that as you move that ball and get it rolling, it's almost like a snowball. And it kind of takes on a life of its own. That's exactly right. Right. So that's the beauty of it. And man, I could go on and on with you, Will, and we'll probably have to we, we will have to do a part two of this and certainly we'll have to check back in with you to see how the website launch went and, and maybe do a postmortem on that and some of the takeaways from how you can improve that because I think a lot of design firms could do well to change their digital presence, if you will. So we'll have to talk about that. But before we leave, I got a couple of quick questions that I'm asking all my guests. Uh, one is, what's the latest book that you've read that has really impacted
1: you? Golf is not a game of perfect. I've mentioned golf a few times. It's Bob Rotel is the author, but it's all about the mental side of the game. Uh, okay. The longest distance in golf is the four inches between your ears. Right. And it, You can read that book and replace golf with business. You can replace it with life. Okay. You can replace it with fatherhood. You can replace it with being a husband. You know, It's not <laughs> a game of perfect. Uh, right. It's uh, so much of the good things that come to us and the challenges we deal with are accentuated or exasperated by your mental approach to things. So I love uh, it. That one. And then uh, radical candor from a business book perspective is one that I just wrapped up on the plane. I'm on a plane a lot more now. Right. The WGI. Yeah. Uh, which okay. gives me a lot of time to think and a lot of time to read, you know, as a, Texas-based CEO, I was in the car all the time. Now I'm back and forth to Florida monthly, if not more frequently. So my three-hour car rides from Austin to Dallas or Austin to Houston have been replaced with the three-hour flight from Austin to to Florida, Uh, which is, you know, of all the places you have to spend time in life, Austin, Texas and and West Palm Beach, Florida are, are not too shabby. I'm not I'm not crying for you at all. That's for sure.
0: I am not going to cry for you so. So listen, last thing,
1: favorite quote. Is there a quote that inspires you or really moves you? Yeah, the man in the arena. I mean, it's it's on the bio of my page here for WGI. You know, and it's that's consistent with what we've talked about today. You know, you can snicker at the man in the arena, but if you haven't been in there yourself, right. you know, be careful. Don't exactly. <laughs> Don't uh, comment on the splinter in someone else's eye and, and miss the log in your own. Yeah,
0: no, I, so I, I love I had that. to get
1: very comfortable with that. Remember, I was a 27-year-old, 28-year-old kid who started a company called Big Red Dog and wanted to be taken seriously yeah. uh, in 2009. So I, I had to get very comfortable with being the man in the arena and the company in the arena. And, uh, and once you're, once you're comfortable with that, you know, you get this Teflon skin in this industry and, and you're comfortable going anywhere. Oh, I love that. I love that. That will, we'll, we'll certainly end with that. If anybody wants to reach
0: out to you, will and, and just kind of chat with you or find out more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do
1: that? Visit our website. You can email me the most direct way. Okay. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, okay. but like Schneer S C H N I E R at dot com. Yeah. And we'll put
0: all of that in the show notes. So that anyone wants to reach out to Will or wants to just check out WGI's website, they can do so. I'm also going to put a link to the podcast because it's one of my podcasts that I do listen to on a regular basis. So if you want to get an idea of what a a good podcast would sound like from a design firm, WGI's to me is a great example of that. If you want to talk more about that, and that's to anyone listening here, I'd be more than happy to kind of walk you through your options with regard to that, because I've been known to start a few podcasts myself and have had some success with it. So I could and, and certainly yours,
1: Randy as a plug, yours was the impetus for ours, originally a big red dog and now we're on version 2.0 at WGI. So we thought, you know, Randy's doing a great job here. Our people love being on it. I, I love being able to share it. It's another one of those pieces of content that's getting out there, whether it's your right. own content or somebody else's, this is our fifth one we've recorded. I've done three or four more as big red dog and WGI. So, you know, you were the inspiration for us starting ours originally. And, and, uh, I'm grateful for that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've made you proud and done a good job of, of showing, you know, that it's possible and that it's relatively easy to do it. It takes no more than 45 minutes to record a podcast, maybe another hour to post publish it, clean it up and get it ready. And yeah. then it's live. I mean, and the equipment to do it. I'm I'm using a, a free set of headphones in my <laughs> my computer here and, and right. And we're on Zoom, which yeah. whose stock is zooming by the it way. It is uh, it is zooming. I bought some it is of it. Zooming. I wish I would have bought more of it. Yeah, it yeah. is. I've I've moved over from <laughs> Skype,
0: so using Zoom is, is so much nicer now. And and um again, I know sometimes oh, yeah. it can seem overwhelming, but um get just getting started I think is the overall message that we want everyone to get from this. And uh Will Schneer, I, I couldn't be happier for you. I couldn't be happier for all the team members of Big Red Dog that have made the transition over to WGI. I think the world of David Wantman and the rest of that team, Michael Davis. I mean, you guys, it's a match made in heaven. I remember when you guys were Big Red Dog by yourselves. And, and I know there was always talk about if there was ever a possibility for a merger or an acquisition. You guys were looking for firms and it was always looking for the right culture. And it seems like you guys found a home and they found a relationship that is going to hopefully stand the test of time. So I wish you guys nothing but success, and I will be on the sidelines cheering you guys on, and uh, I look forward to all of the future exploits that you guys are able to accomplish. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm happy
1: to do it. Thanks for having me, Randy. It's yeah. It's been a treat. Awesome. Always awesome. is.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll do it again. But folks, there you have it, another episode of Encourage Bill Grow. It's so great to have Will Schneer and in his mind on this podcast, I hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing here at Encourage Build, Grow. If you are having challenges or you need help uh, wanting to come up with ways to to develop better leaders, to create better communicators, and ultimately build better people for your firm, reach out to us here at Encourage, Build, Grow and learn how we can help you out. We also can help you a little bit in the digital marketing space. And certainly, if you ever want to try to start a podcast, we can help you with that as well. So We appreciate you taking time to listen today. Thank you so much. And we will be back next week with another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. You can check us out online at any time at encouragebuildgrow.com. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will see you next week. Bye for now.